Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and I'm a photographer here in beautiful Miami, Florida. And each week, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. On this episode, we are joined by Paula Celestino, co-founder and VP at Creative Interactive Advertising, an award-winning branding and creative agency whose clients include Fortune 500 brands like Wendy, Zumba, Kraft, Disney, and more. Today, Paula and I cover different aspects of their successful business model, discuss the hurdles the Miami startup scene faces, and even go back to the beginning and hear the incredibly touching story of how a family health scare was in fact what led to the creation of Creative. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this honest and inspiring conversation with Paula Celestino. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. I've known you for quite a few years. We've worked on some projects together even and everything. But for anyone tuning in who may just be getting to know you, why don't you maybe start us off with a little bit of an intro, who you are, what you do, creative, all of that. Okay, cool. My name is Paula Celestino. I moved to the U.S. 18 years ago with my family after a big economic crisis in Argentina. And then after that, a few years after, in 2006, my sister and I started a company called Creative Interactive Advertising. And we've been a staple in the Miami community since then. So what are the kind of projects that you guys typically work on? So we do a lot of branding, design of all kinds, uh, a lot of storytelling, positioning work for our clients. And then, of course, we do social media strategies and a lot of digital advertising. For what kind of clients? Like, So we, we work a lot with the mid-market, but we do have some cool startups and uh, some of our biggest clients have been Zumba, Pizza Hut. Uh, we also work with Wendy's for many years, doing a lot of photography and video work, craft, DreamWorks. So a lot of cool clients, but those don't happen every day. Right. Yeah, those, <laughs> yeah. are, those are far and few. Yes. Between. Yeah, exactly. How did some of these projects come about? So somebody that's listening to what you do with the type of clients, I want to kind of shed a light a little bit into how those projects come about. Is it you're going out pitching for business? Is it they're reaching out to you? Are you part of RFPs? Like all of that? Mm -hmm. Well, first I'm going to say that I don't think I know all the answers. I am sure that there's many ways to get business and I'm responsible for that. And sometimes I think that I don't do enough or I should do more or better, but the way that happens to us has been, uh, at the beginning of our business, definitely word of mouth. Literally, uh, my our first client, I said my, but it was our first client, came through my dad pitching us to a client of his. Said, hey, my daughters are doing websites. We started as a web design agency. So the guy trusted my dad and then my dad trusted us <laughs> and we delivered. And once we delivered that person to another person and it was word of mouth, right? Then we work on SEO and we were very lucky that we got very well positioned I mean, we position like for web design agencies all over the world. We're talking about maybe what, uh, 10 years ago or something like that. It was crazy. We're getting uh, a lot of requests from big companies that obviously then they, what they saw that we were smaller than it didn't work out, but, uh, that was at the beginning, but locally we were lucky enough to be positioned on Google maps. So a lot of people come to us through Google maps and we have reviews for over 13 years. I would have never imagined that Google Maps mm -hmm. would be such a driver of business for your type of business. I can, I can totally understand for like a restaurant or mm -hmm. got it. Right. But for That's so well, interesting. I mean, we do show up on search engines very well for Miami branding agency. And I, every week go into Miami agencies and see who is positioning <laughs> and see all my competitors and uh, make sure that we are, you know, first or second. Uh, uh, obviously it's not the same for every city and, but right. I just want to make sure that we remain very competitive locally because Miami is a huge market and every day is getting bigger and bigger. So another thing that I do, which I think it, it really helps to maintain that is that I upload pictures. I upload, um, screenshots of different things into my Google business. 
And so when people mm, click on okay. the Google Maps, then they see my little profile and I have everything, all my hours, all my services, our pictures, internal, external, everything, everything I can, and a lot of projects and a lot of speaking engagements. So I think that people, when see that, they're like, okay, these people have been there for a while. They have a bunch of reviews and, and also they do a lot of things in the community and they trust us a little bit more. So it helps. Right. It helps. What are some of the things, you know, as you're talking to a potential client or for regarding a potential project, what are some of those things that you're looking at? Is there anything in particular, any type of business, any type of? Well, I mean, we're very open. We have been open. Again, I don't know if that is the best strategy. Maybe another people will say, no, this best strategy is to just focus on a particular industry. Maybe it is. We do have a couple of industries that are constantly recurring. Um, and uh, we have real estate. We have a lot of development companies, uh, construction companies. So all of that is in, I guess, one, one section. And then we also have food and beverage. Okay. Uh, that's why we work with Wendy's, with Pizza Hut, uh, with some local restaurants and, uh, and different products in that category. And then we also have technology and I will say also fintech as another one because all, all financial services now are very um, right. technology driven. So right. um, yeah, those are the main categories, but we remain open. Right now we're working with a production company huge production company, one of the biggest ones in Europe that is local here in Miami. There are clients, we're working with a fashion brand right now. Uh, we're also working with a, an architectural firm that is very well known in Miami. I'm very excited about that project too. And uh, I'm pitching a, an event service company. They rent furniture and linens. You might think that, ah, oh, that might be a small company. No, huge no, company. Yeah, those they, make a killing. They, I know. Yes. I, know. <laughs> I, I was floored when I went to their, yeah. uh, to their beautiful warehouse. Everything's so unorganized and uh, all the people working there nonstop. I, you know, uh, they're not my clients yet. But to give you an idea of the, the, the type of businesses can be anything. Right. We work with a flower company, a rose company, not even a flower company. It's just a rose company in the past. Um, and, um, and, and is there anything in particular that you're looking for? Like any, anything that, you know, oh, this is going to make a good, maybe it's not the category of the business, okay, but okay. like whether it's the people that you're going to be working with, whether it's the type of project, like the, the, what they want you to do for them. Is there anything that you go, okay, this is, this is going to be fun. Something so, that you look for. Yeah. 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 I think that uh, first of all, every client, since we work with all categories, we never get bored. I think that that's one of the keys of us being happy as an agency. We always learning the ins and outs of far-fetched industries that we never imagined that we will have to learn anything about. So um, that I like, that is definitely a motivator. Uh, but I think that one of the most important factors beyond the project itself is like what you mentioned, the people. If I don't have a good vibe, a good feeling, um, yeah, <laughs> you walk away. We, you don't follow don't, up on those emails we, too much. <laughs> let me just say that I don't walk away. We just have our techniques to, right, yeah. <laughs> to stay you away from to them. send the follow-up email. Yeah. And then, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't want to get, <laughs> I will say that I, I can't even get away with that because I feel that in the back of my mind, I want to, I'm, I'm going to blame myself if right. I don't send that email, right. like follow up or call. But what we say is that we add a psychology fee, right? Like okay. <laughs> if we, need, we might need therapy after that project. Right. So, so you go, yeah, let's build that psychology fee yeah, into the, into yeah, the, if the, they're willing to pay for it. Great. Exactly. Then we'll happily exactly. Go. Yeah. Exactly. Because Makes sense. it's all about, if you think that somebody's going to take a lot of your energy and a lot of your time, because in this project, I mean, we're super uber organized and that's the reason we're in business today. Right. Um, without that, you cannot follow up on timelines. You cannot yeah, um, deliver results. And even if you deliver results and they're late, they're bad. They're bad results. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think a lot of people, especially, and I'm from Latin America, a lot of people from Latin America think, oh, I'm delivering a fantastic project, but just three days late. No, yeah. that doesn't work, right? So for us being <clears throat> organized and timelines, it's one of the biggest parts of our production organization. And without that, we wouldn't be in business, right? Uh, or have the clients that we have. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, if you know that a client is going to really put a dent on your soul during I those months, <laughs> you add the psychology fee. I love it. And love it. at least, you know, you get a client because sometimes, I mean, you want a client. First of all, we all need to pay our bills. And second of all, sometimes those names look amazing. Mm. So we usually do a brand assessment, right? So I hear what the client wants. And sometimes what the client wants is not exactly what the client needs. And I love finding, <laughs> I love finding that. Um, so instead of just giving the client a quote for what he's or she's requesting, I go into trying to understand what are the symptoms, like a doctor, right? So I understand that you want more, more clicks or more sales or a new website. So usually when clients come to us with the problem of, you know, my website is already outdated. It's not mobile friendly. We want a new website. I ask them to fill out a branding questionnaire. Once they fill it up, I review it with my team or just by myself. And it's very simple. Um, we do ask very basic questions about the business, who's the audience and what they want to portray, et cetera. And then take a look at all the materials that they provided. Sometimes it's just a website and sometimes it's also a brochure, a deck. I review all of that. And most times I find misalignments between mm. what the client wants to portray and what the client is portraying. So a lot of times what the client needs is not a new website. Yeah, the client needs a website, but they need a foundation of a branding message, right? And so when I find those misalignments, I said, okay, we need to go back and have a branding conversation. Do you have a brand book? What is your story? Um, do you have uh, a messaging, a positioning statement, anything? And Right, and which becomes a very natural upsell, right? And through the education process, you're gaining their trust. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, instead of just building a website, you're doing their whole branding and website. Yeah, and but I'm against making, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And, uh, and again, this is not the best uh, strategy for a business and we, I have to talk to somebody else about it, but I refuse to spend client money on things that won't help, help them. Yeah. Uh, so no, I it makes no. total sense. It's playing the long game mm -hmm. and saying, you know what, my reputation and making sure that I do right by every single client that comes across my, my business is, yeah. is happy ultimately. Yeah. So I also know that you're very, very active in the tech industry, the startup industry here in Miami and all of that, as you mentioned. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on that, where you see us going, what you think some of the challenges and opportunities that, that Miami has mm -hmm. are. Well, I think that this is a very interesting conversation and I think about it I a know, lot. That's why, that's <laughs> why I'm bringing it up because you and I have talked about it. At so, you know, I started, um, I, I'm very passionate about technology. I call myself a futurist. Okay. If anybody wants to think about and talk about the future and how AI is going to impact the world and all these things, I, I love to join because I'm, I'm a very passionate about how technology can change the world for the better if we really think about it. And, uh, but I do think that there's many, um, many challenges, challenges ahead. Yeah. So I started a little side project years ago that, you know, Closet Karma uh, with K, Closet and Karma. Um, and the website is closetkarma.co. It still exists, okay, the website, the landing page. Uh, it was an app that allowed people to exchange clothes for points and then use those points to buy clothes from people around them, right? Very simple idea. I got a lot of attention, a lot of PR. I won the business plan challenge from the Miami Herald, uh, Tech Cocktail Challenge as well, different pitch competitions. It was a lot of fun. A big, big um, experience on the tech world, right? At that time, that was about five, six years ago, the Miami startup scene started booming. A lot of co-working spaces started opening. Uh, a lot of money was thrown into the Miami tech scene. And it was super exciting. It was super exciting. And uh, most of the times I would look around and say, what am I doing here? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I fit in. Right. Um, but I, I went into it and I decided to surf that ride. I don't know how to explain another way, but said, okay, well... I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity, even though I didn't think that um, 
that I should be in those places. Sometimes they would invite me to different places to talk about tech and talk about my startup. My startup was so new. Uh, we were, you know, at a very early stage. We didn't get funding, you know, but people wanted to hear from me. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll go sure. and take advantage of that. So sometimes it's not the best that is behind that microphone. It's those people that are active in the community and, and, uh, and people that, um, that get to know a lot of other people doing cool stuff, right? right? So uh, at that time, it was very exciting and people were talking about how big Miami was and how it was exploding. And in reality, it wasn't that. So I think that every single um, PR piece that was trying to portray Miami as something that it wasn't, it really hurt Miami, not helped. There's a lot of like fake it till you make it kind of. Yeah, yeah. And and I understand how, uh, like I was explaining, I wasn't faking it. I was actually in the startup, but I didn't feel myself that I was, uh, that I had enough experience to be talking about certain topics, right? But I still did it and I still try to provide value at everything I was doing, right? Every time I was invited to talk, I wanted to make sure we had a chance to review the topics and that I was providing value to the people coming in, right? Um, but at the same time, a lot of these events were hyping, not things that were real, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things, I don't want to name events or things like that, but a lot of times, a lot of money goes into, goes into big events that then don't really help the community. And those events are only used to pitch friends of friends that organize the event and they don't provide any value. And so they bring a lot of people from other cities that are really important in the tech, you know, tech ecosystems. They bring them because they hear all this hype and then we right. don't deliver. And <clears throat> people from other tech scenes, they don't give you many chances. Yeah. They give you one chance. So I heard from a few people that I knew that they were extremely disappointed because mm -hmm. they thought that it was something else. And so... And that's uh, now that becomes an uphill battle for everybody else that's coming, you know, after that wave. Yeah. Trying to it's do a big reality yeah. check for a lot yeah. of people too. But, um, but I'll say that Miami does bring a lot of opportunity to the table, right? Uh, we were talking yesterday with another lab. Um, I mean, we work lab member. I am part of the cohort of the brand new we work lab group that just opened in Miami, okay. right? They're from, there are all over the world, but this is the first, um, the first Miami group and it lasts about three months and it's a great place to connect, meet and, and just push yourself and have accountability, right? Cause right. It's, it's hard sometimes to do it by yourself. And, and we're talking about the fact that a lot of the companies, including mine, right? Even though I have a creative agency that has been in business for 13 years, not necessarily is the type of companies that you will find at an accelerator, right? right? right. Or an incubator. Exactly. And so for me, the fact that this is the first one and not a lot of people knew about it, I got a chance to participate and right. take advantage of that program, right? So Miami brings that opportunity for a lot of young startups to cut through the the, the clutter that they will have to, that they it will be almost impossible. It will be almost impossible to get that chance in San Francisco or in New York um, or in, you know, in any other big tech scene. So if you have a startup, um, it's just a matter of being, do the right, do the work, right? Talk the talk and do the work, but also getting to know people in the community and, I mean, Miami is a small community, so you will end up meeting people that do the podcast, people that write for newspapers and articles, people that are investors. So I, I think that that is the opportunity that Miami brings. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier of playing the long game. Because yeah. if you burn somebody, you know, for a small project, because you're like, oh, whatever, it's fine. I'll just take this money and then whatever. I know they're not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. You better believe it's going to come back to bite you in the butt at some point. And Miami's so, very small. Yeah. Let me say everybody again. Everybody knows Miami's everyone. Small. It's very small. Everybody knows yeah. everyone. We literally have one or two degree of separation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's no seven degrees here. It's nah. just one or two. Yeah. yeah. 
So I actually want to go back a little bit. You kind of touched a little uh, earlier on this, which was how you guys started your company. And I, I remember a few years back, you shared a little bit of that story mm-hmm. of how you guys started and why you guys started and the first website that you guys yeah. built and everything. Oh. That's something that I definitely want you to share okay. with the listeners because I found it incredibly inspiring yeah. and just amazing. So the journey started, I, I always say that it was survival mode that started the company, right? We were in survival mode as a family and as individuals in my, you know, um, we came from Argentina with absolutely nothing. Um, and we start, we had to start from scratch. I went from being a teenager that had everything and had everything figured out into coming to the U S Barely speaking English because I thought that I could speak English. How old were you when, you when you got here? Actually, it was my 19th birthday. Wow. <laughs> I spent my birthday in a plane. We ended up uh, landing in somebody's house that we didn't even know that offered us one room for free. So my whole family, my mom, my dad, my sister at that time, like around 16, my brother, three years old, and me sleeping all in one room that, okay, you know, it's... It's, uh, it, there's worse stories than that, obviously, yeah, of course. but, um, but it was such a contrast. My dad had, you know, uh, a, a medium sized company. They dealt with material handling, but after school for, I will say almost all my life, I will go to the factory and spend time at the office with my parents until they were done for the day. And sometimes it was at 10 PM. Sometimes it was at 11 PM. Sometimes it was at midnight. And this is back in Argentina, back in Argentina. Right. So uh, my parents work a lot. We went to school. We did extracurricular activities. Uh, at 16, I already had my own car. My dad gave me one. So sorry, I'm going back and forth, but just to paint a picture of how much I was like shelter from real life and real challenges in life. I had my group of friends. I used to go out every weekend with my friends. Uh, My family will get together on the weekends in my house. It was always a big asado barbecue happening. So um, that was my life. All of a sudden things crashed down in Argentina. My parents get death threats because, you know, people started going crazy. Uh, Labor unions wanted money. I mean, wow. uh, we got scared. Um, I don't know if it was those people or just people trying to rob us, but I got followed a few times wow. into my house and being a 16, 17 year old, I then like having to choose different routes to get to your house because cars might be following you. Mm. It's not normal. Yeah. Right. So it got to a point that we got really scared and, uh, my dad kept getting calls. Um, I told my dad, you know, in a crying um, you know, episode. panic attack and episode, get us out of here. Little I knew that, <laughs> that, that get us out of here would mean get us out of country. Um, that's not necessarily what I meant at all. I went on a vacation just <laughs> to get out for a while, um, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but, um, but anyway, at that time, my parents had purchased this, um, vacation for all of us. In Argentina, it's very common that you pay month to month until you finish the plan Mm -hmm. and then you use it, right? So we had paid for it already and we were getting calls to use it, make sure to use it before it would expire. So my dad gets upset one time uh, answering this phone call and says, where, where do you live, man? Because if you're from Argentina, you must realize, poor guy, right? <laughs> he, had to, he had to listen to my dad's rant, but he's like, you must realize that there's no way we can take a vacation right now. The country is falling apart. The dollar is going, you know, crazy. Right. There's no way we can think about planning a vacation before these things expires. So um, the guy says, I'm sorry, man. I know what you're going through. I just left Argentina. I'm calling you from Miami, but, but uh, my family's there and they're, they're coming in a couple of weeks. And they became friendly. So... That happened, like, I guess for a couple of months, they became friendly and they had daily check-ins, okay, with this stranger, wow. complete stranger over the phone. So much so that this guy opened his house for us and said, you and know that's what? that's you guys arrived? Yeah. Wow. Come to Miami, come to Coto Springs, actually. Come to Coto Springs and we will leave you a room for your family until you get situated and decide what are you going to do, but get out of there. 
Wow. Right? See, you had, I did not know that part of the story. I knew like what happened after you guys got here. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that completely shattered your entire world. Yes. Like you're coming from this sheltered. Wow. So what we did is we used those tickets. We booked the flight to Miami for literally a week after, two weeks after. We opened our house called all our friends. WhatsApp didn't exist. <laughs> I mean, I had to go one by one, all my friends from school, all our neighbors and said, pick whatever you want from my house and give us cash. <laughs> right. I still remember when I gave away my bed, but that moment there, and a friend of mine bought the bed, right? It was shit got real. Sorry. I don't know if you can say yeah, bad yes, words, yes, but yes, 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 shit yes. just got real. I yeah. just, sold my bed for cash, right? Because at that time, if, yeah, most people might not know this, but at that time in Argentina, the banks decided not to give cash away because they were being bankrupt, right? So they, since people were very hysterical about their savings, their money, they decided to take everything out of their accounts. So in order to keep whatever was left, the government decided to put a limit of the amount that people could take away from the bank. So we had no cash. Right. Also, another factor into the Argentinian economy was that if you, and these are not the actual figures and excuse my, uh, my example, but uh, I always try to explain that if you had a hundred dollars saved in your bank account, well now after the Argentinian crisis, everything got pacified. So now you had a hundred pesos, which really were worth like $25, you know? So yes, all the money, everybody's wow. money got pacified. Wow. One, one day to another. And obviously people that had inside Intel got all the money before. before. Yeah, of course. Uh, we weren't one of those people. We got majorly screwed. So yeah, that, that so was- So you hop on a plane to Miami and we, you land here. They pick us up, these strangers pick us up and we go to sleep in their house. For like two to three months, which it was, it was surreal. It was uh, terrifying. It was all, all the things that you would imagine. Um, and the second day into us being in the U.S., I got a job in a pizzeria. Okay. Um, my sister will get jobs and she always laugh about it. She got fired from over 25 jobs back to back. Back to back. She laughs about it and I laugh about it too, because I think that that is also one of the reasons that creative exists, right? Um, Because I found a job after the pizzeria, I had another job and I I don't need to go over that, but I was very stable, right? And um, and my sister was bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. And I was like, but you have to like try (laughs) at least. And uh, she, you know, she had these, this, um, this personality that she wasn't going to put up with certain things that I was putting up because I was older and also, and the weight of what you just went through. And yeah. yeah. So I knew that my family depended on it. I think my sister, she was younger, of course, she thought that, oh, this is like a vacation kind of thing where we have to work and everything's going to be solved. My parents are going to figure it out. Right. So years go by and you know, we are in a really tight situation. We were able to move out of that house. We move into another really uh, hard place to, to be, but again, there's worse things. And then we finally get into a house. And um, that was major to the point that my parents still live in that same house. Like, I think there's something there that they don't want to move. They don't want to lose right. it. I don't know. But so at that time, all my friends were already finishing college and, uh, and for me, college was like major and also like something impossible, right? Like studying in the U.S. is so expensive and I didn't have my residency card yet. I had to pay out of pocket. It was right. impossible. It was very scary and we decided to, okay, let's, let's think, let's see if we can. So we started making appointments. We, we went and a little by little we said, okay, this looks a little bit different, difficult. And I, again, I didn't have... The usual documentation, I have a withholding of removal, which is when you apply for asylum and they deny it, but they don't deport you. Hmm. 
So that happened in the middle of all wow. that. And we like literally, we didn't know until that court date four years what into living here, what was going to happen to a point that the day that we left to court, and again, I don't know if this is boring, but the day that we left to court, we put every single thing that we wanted our neighbors to mail us if we were deported. Talk that's, about that's like, being minimalistic. Yeah. So that teaches you a lot, yeah. a lot. And then we just took one class at a time. So we could pay $400 a semester. And I wasn't even sure if I could understand the teachers, right? So what are, what's going through your head? Like, what, you, obviously you've gone through all of this and then you're going through all of this entire uphill battle. What's going through your head as what's getting you through this? Survival, <laughs> survive, <laughs> survive, survive, survive. I, I think that it was just focused on I, I want to make sure my family has a, has a shelter and my family has food and, uh, and I can little by little start building myself, like going to school. That's why for me was so important to have that foundation there. Right. It was beyond my degree. It was like, I'm doing something with my life. right? Right. And so at that time I told my dad, dad, I don't think I can keep the job that I have. Which, by the way, for somebody that didn't have a perfect English, that didn't have any associate degree or, you know, American high school degree, anything like that, I was making very good money because I went into, uh, from customer, from receptionist, almost getting fired because I couldn't speak, to customer service, assistant, to customer service, to IT department. And then at that time, I, I moved into another job and... And I was getting, you know, pretty good money for somebody my age and, and, and without the things that I should have by then. So I told my dad, I can go to school and keep my eight to five job or nine to five job. And he's like, I understand. But I knew that that would impact the finances of my house tremendously. So I had a lot of guilt around starting school, but I knew that that was very important for the future, for my future, right. for the future of my whole family. And so my dad says, listen, Pia has been doing a couple of websites for one of the doctors that he worked with. Why don't you join Pia and, and start a company together? And I said, okay. Wow. I, my stomach still turns thinking about it because I was so nervous, but I was like, I, I need to do this. So that, that's, that's actually one of the stories that I, I think many years back you shared yeah. with me that like, that was one of the way, the yeah. first websites that yeah. you guys built. Yeah. Can you share it? So basically the, the first website that we did as creative was because my dad was working for this medical plan for people with no insurance, right? So people without paperwork could go to the doctor right. by paying like, regular fees, like $34, $60, a hundred bucks for an x-ray, things like that. And so he knew a lot of doctors. Uh, his job was to bring doctors to this network. And all of a sudden, my dad around this time starts losing his voice. We didn't think much. We thought it was a cold, but his voice wasn't coming. So since he was working with doctors, he had very easy access to a few of them and did the necessary tests. And the doctor says, you have nodules on your throat. Wow. For people like us that we were new in the country, no health insurance, no extra money, no, not a lot of savings at all. We didn't know if it was cancer. If it was cancer, we needed to leave the country. Finally, they said that they needed a biopsy. The biopsy was, you know, uh, not cancer, but he needed to get those nodules removed in order to be able to speak again. And they could become cancerous right. if weren't removed. So uh, the doctor says it will cost $3,000 to do the surgery and then the hospital, right? So the hospital can do anything about it. But the $3,000, you can pay me in times and we can figure it out. He was super nice. And my dad had the idea, you need a website, why don't we have my daughters to do a website for you in exchange of the surgery. So we literally bartered it, a surgery for my dad for a website for this doctor. Yeah. I remember the first, the, the first time you told me the story, I was just floored. Like the, just to think back of yeah. that's, 
kind of like what put you on, on the track that you're on today yeah. is unbelievable, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And we weren't even sure if we could pull it off, to be honest. Yeah, but you had to figure it out because... <laughs> but it's your, that's life. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to make it work. Yeah. And, uh, and we made it work. And again, when I say we, I mean, like, I really mean my sister Pia because she's the one that currently is the creative director, but she's been self-taught designer and self-taught programmer. So she took the whole thing on her shoulders and, and managed people to help her wherever, you know, she had blind spots and we deliver a website. That's awesome. And that website not only paid for my dad's surgery, which he was able to recover his voice and he's never had a problem in his throat again with nodules or anything like that. But also through that work, we got enough recommendations that we kept working with other doctors. Wow. That's incredible. See, I had, I had heard that story. Yeah. I didn't know what had happened in Argentina, which is also amazing. And that's one of the things that I love to highlight in the show. It's a lot of times people see successful individuals and successful businesses and all of that. And it's easy to kind of not realize how much at times it takes to get there or the backstory mm. that people have. And, 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 and if you and all of these other people are able to work through some of the things that they've worked through and come out and be successful and live the lives that they have today, mm -hmm. that's what I want to put out into, into the universe. Like, yes, it is doable. Yes. You're going to go through stuff. Yes. It's going to be difficult at times, but you can, this, this is doable, you know? Yeah, and, and the funny thing, or I don't know if it's funny, but, um, is that for many years, my sister and I were very embarrassed to tell this story. Very. Like, I will hide my situation at all costs. Again, I don't know if that was the correct thing or the wrong thing. It is, I'm just saying how we dealt with it, right? I will never tell that we were supporting the house. I will never tell that I was sharing a car with all my family. Um, again, there's... Many worse things, but I, we were, I was very embarrassed of, of the situation that we were living as, as, a, as a whole pack. Right. That my sister and I were not contributing, but supporting the whole household. And all of that was embarrassing. Um, so the first time we actually told the story was a big breakthrough for us because we got so much good or so much positive things. You know, when we thought that people would feel sorry for us and we didn't want people to feel sorry for us, right? Yeah. Saying, thinking, hey, I've been through something yeah, like that. Yeah, or thanking yeah. for sharing the story because yeah. I'm feeling like that now. Yeah. So, yeah, after that, I, I realized how important it was yeah. to say it. Are there any quotes or any passages or anything that you're constantly thinking of or trying to live by? That I'm not a quote person. I know people that save quotes as a hobby, right. okay? And it's fantastic. I'm, I'm not that type of person, but I do have one quote right now that, I, that fills my heart. That is, I came, I saw, I made a bloom. So for me, it's like I, I can take on anything and I can bring life to it or I can, I can really bring color to it. Whatever color means. Colors that I was hiding before, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the, the story that I just told you just brings a lot of color to me. It shows a lot of imperfection, but imperfection is that, that people need to see that exist in somebody to connect with you, yeah. right? Because people don't connect with you based on your competence. They connect with you based on your flaws. I, I learned that not too long ago, right? Because I, I have the personality where I want to make sure I, I look perfect, right? And I'm prepared enough. But at the same time, you will get a better connection with people when they see your flaws, Right. When they sense that you're real. That you're real. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that quote I love. And then I have another quote that, um, that I also think about. Um, and it's from Bob Dylan, I believe. That is something like, if you're not busy being born, you're busy dying. So for me, that means that if you're not constantly learning, reinventing yourself, or going uphill into some sort of battle with your own boundaries, then you're, you're dying. Uh, you're dying because you're not absorbing new things. You're not challenging yourself. So. so if you could go back 10 or so years and give yourself a piece of advice, knowing mm. what you know today, 
what would you tell yourself? Well, I am not a meditation person. I'm not that type of person, but I did one meditation. <laughs> I thought once in a while. Like seven yeah. years ago. <laughs> no, I, I recently been, um, I, I got a meditation through a WhatsApp group, okay. <laughs> family members. Okay. They, re they recommended a particular one. It was to talk your, to your quant double, quantum double or something okay. like that. It's supposed to be your an, another double that you have in another dimension okay. that has been through your challenges or that um, is successful in the areas that you want to be successful, right? I thought it was very weird and I got into it because of that. <laughs> Okay. So in this meditation, you have to go through like a door and blah, blah, blah. And then you jump into that other dimension and you meet that double that of you that is living the best life that, that you okay. want. So you ask questions. And again, it's not that I believe that that is the case, but I think it's a good way maybe to connect with your subconscious or thoughts that you have in your mind. So during this meditation, I got like a, like a message, right? And this message, I don't remember the question, but the message was use your gifts. And just having that thought popping up in my head was moving to me because a lot of people that might know me from the community see me as very extrovert and exuberant and always, you know, I, I think put together, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm doubting that now, but, um, um, and, and, and I hope that they see that I'm a honest, hardworking and good person overall. Right. And, but sometimes I, you know, I'm very hard on myself in certain areas, like a lot of people are. And so use my gifts. Sometimes I forget that your gifts are very unique and, and, and you take them for granted. Right. And so when I got that in my mind, I started thinking and I got into, a thought train that I, that I thought was very valuable. That is that our gifts are our passions. Whatever ignites your engine is your gift. So I know you, you have photography, for example, right? And for me is events and community building, right? So I just think that it's so important, especially for everybody, but especially on the creative side, right? Because we get to do creative work, but sometimes we do it so much and our clients are sometimes, you know, um, running some projects that you're not really exercising your creativity in the ways that you want or you should. So it is important to express that passion, no matter what it is. If it's horses, it's horses. If it's painting is painting, if it's photography, it is that whatever it is, like really take a look inside and say, okay, what are those things? Even if silliest things like playing dragons and dungeons, I don't know if I'm saying it right. There's enough of those people. Exactly. So, that, yeah. so if that is what lights your fire, do it, do it. And in we luckily live in a world where nowadays you can probably make money off of the craziest, weirdest thing. Just post it on Fiverr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I want to switch into something that we do in every episode, mm -hmm. which is Miami rapid fire. So I'm just going to okay. throw a couple of questions around Miami living and you give me the first thing that comes to mind. Oh my God. <laughs> no, you're good. You got this. You got this. So favorite food spot and dish. Mm, sorry. I will say my mom's food. No, it's, it's got to be somewhere yeah, where somewhere like, in Miami? can go. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I know I can probably go to your mom's house, <laughs> but the listeners probably can't. <laughs> okay, so... Although we love you, think. Mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love you, Mom. Um, the first one that came to mind is Aloy Bistro. I think it's a really special it? nook. It's in downtown. Okay. And the food is delightful, and, and it's very special. So I like to go to places where... Since I eat very home homemade food in my daily in daily basis, when I go out, I like that extra experience, extra and, flair. Yeah, extra flair. So Aloy Bistro brings that extra, okay. like wow factor. Very. I, cool. I know that I'm, I'm probably leaving away a lot of things that I like, but anyway, that that came to mind. Favorite way to spend a Miami weekend for you. Okay, so my favorite way to spend a weekend in Miami 
usually is, believe it or not, when I have friends from out of town. Okay. And I'm showcasing Miami. Yes, I, that makes sense. Freaking love to wow them with every single special nook about Miami and how uh, how to find the non cliche areas of Miami. Right. Um, but even then, you go to the cliche parts and like you realize that like your family or your friends they from out love of town, it. and you're like, yeah, I guess it is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happened. That happened to me. Uh, I, I used to go into. I had a clubbing phase. I used to go a lot out, and I was a promoter on the weekends. I was just I could get in for free. <laughs> Uh, no, my friends. So I had a phase where I really liked Nikki Beach, right? It was, it was years ago, maybe like around 18, 17, <laughs> please don't judge me. Uh, it was when Ricky Martin used to go and J-Lo used to go. Uh, but, um, but anyway, so I had my friends from San Francisco. One works in Google and the other one works in Amazon. I wanted to wow them with Miami. Um, and uh, I took them to Wynwood and I took them to Brico and I took them like different places. And then ended up like going to Ocean Drive because I thought it's important that they see at least this. And then all of a sudden I find parking and I said, well, do you want to walk? There's Nikovich around here. Oh my God, we ended up staying like four or five hours. They had the best time of their lives. That was their favorite part of the trip. And I was like, this is like <laughs> the most cliche, but we had a great time. Yeah. It, it, you, you end up finding, you end up enjoying a lot of the things that you take for granted yes. on your everyday. Like, yes. you know, if you drive... 395 or 195 every single day to and from work, you may take it for granted. But yeah. the moment you have somebody from out of town coming in here, they're looking around, you're like, yeah, I guess this is pretty freaking beautiful. Yes, like, <laughs> yes, yes. So I I ended up looking at my city with, an, with the eyes of a tourist and I fall in love all over again with Miami. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? I have my moments, but I tend to do audiobooks okay. because... I can't read. I, I I can, but I get really tired and I fall asleep. So I listen to books a lot during my during traffic. But some of your favorite books? Um, again, my friends are gonna laugh about it if they ever hear this. But I'm big on genetics. I love genetics and epigenetics, and I read a lot about that. So if you're into that and you've done your 23andMe uh, test, uh, <laughs> like many of us, then uh, I will recommend the genome. Okay. The genome. And I recently read um, Michelle Obama's Becoming, and I really enjoyed it. Any other Miami businesses or people that you want to show a little bit of love to and give a shout out? If I have to talk about the Miami ecosystem, I will say Natalia Martinez. She is um, one of my best friends, but also responsible for a lot of the growth that Miami tech scene has and her vision um, and her, her way to, to really cut the crap out of the whole hype and bring the best of Miami to the rest of not only the country, but the world. Uh, I think that she deserves a big shout out. Um, where can people find out more about her? She is at CIC. She's the Got it. manager at CIC. Okay. Anybody and else that comes to mind? I mean, I want to mention my sister. She's, uh, the reason I'm sitting here, uh, she's the power, the creative power behind every single project that we put out. Not that she does every project now, but she handles our, our team and helps them grow and develop in ways that, uh, that are astonishing. Uh, her patience uh, is key and she has an educational skill that I don't think it can be taught. So, um, yeah, my sister, she's... Uh, She's fantastic and brilliant. Pia Celestino. And, and then the people at, um, at the WeWork Labs, uh, Pedro Sostre, he is the manager of the WeWork Labs program. And I believe that his vision will bring a lot of uh, positive energy to the local startups. So nice. if you have a startup, I will highly recommend to check out the programs and apply. Um, again, it's a brand new program. So the opportunities right. are, you know, there for you guys to take advantage of the great connections and great introductions that you can get through it. And so, yeah, I think that uh, nice. those three. Anything that we didn't touch on that you want to kind of share with the listeners as we wrap up? 
I would say that it is key to contribute to the community in areas that you believe the community is lacking. If you think that the the tech community is not fast enough, it's not big enough, help to grow it. And by helping, I mean volunteer in events, bring events to Miami, um, go to the events that are happening. (laughs) Um, So I think that a lot of the people that I met through the events that were They were nice enough to donate their time to the events that I put together for Startup Weekend, for my tech panels and other things. I mean, they made life-changing connections at those moments, right? And they built rapport with people that trust them, like me or other people that were in my circle at that time, volunteering, collaborating. And then all of a sudden, they know you're reliable. They know your face. They will give you a chance because... They've seen that you've been um, spending time of your own on the weekends or, you know, during the week after work for a particular cause that you're passionate about. So I think that that's key. Just be in the ecosystem. That's key, be in the ecosystem. And you'll be surprised that opportunities happen. You know, it's hard, but it's it's definitely worth it. There's always somebody that you're going to meet. And if it aligns to your passion, Right. Um, but yeah. even if you are like, oh, I don't know anybody and I, you know, how do I meet more people? That is the best way to do yeah. it. And realize that if you show up to an event that you don't know anybody, most likely half of the other people also don't know anybody are feeling exactly the same way you are. Exactly. Paula, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, reach out, see what you guys are working on? Awesome. Uh, so the best way to um, reach out to me is by email, paula, P-A-U-L-A, at creative.com. And that is spelled C-R-E-A-7-I-V-E.com. And then you can go to my website, creative.com, with a seven in the place of the T as well, and see our latest projects, request our deck, uh, request a quote, whatever you need. Um, I'm always happy to, like I said before, educate or uh, help in any way I can. Even if it's you know, beyond my own team, I can direct you to the best ways. So you make the right questions and, and, you know, you make the most of the resources that you currently have. Love it. Thank you so much, Paula, for doing this. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.